It's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. The Apostle Paul says, very, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because these days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Anybody want an M&M? My hands have touched these a lot, but you're welcome to them after the service. So the amount of M&Ms in this jar represents the average American lifespan, which is 72 years. I feel like, man, that doesn't seem like very long. Like, shouldn't it be like 120 years? 72 years. As I look at the jar, it looks like a lot of M&Ms to me. Like, there's a lot of living to do, right? If every M&M is like two or three months of life, like, no problem. There are so many M&Ms in the jar until you retire, and you got this many left. <laughs> How does that happen? And this is if you retire at 60, what, 62, 63. Right? If you retire at 69, <laughs> it's that, then you die, if you're average, right? Maybe you're above average. Right, that picture of me, this is 13 years. 13 years of a human life is the M&M's in that jar. That's how much time elapsed since we had our first baby and now boom, we're here, right? That's like this many M&M's. And the time just keeps chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, right? Where this looks like a lot, but if you're like 50, then you're like right here. If you're like 75, you're like under the table somehow. <laughs> Based on the average human lifespan. But hey, you're above average. You're gonna live to a thousand. Life goes by fast. And so my conviction is not that we should feel sad about it, that we should feel morbid because of our mortality, right? We are Christians. We get to live forever, right? Let's rejoice in that. But as we start this series, I want to launch us with a premise, and that is this, that life is too short to waste our time on things that don't matter. Life is too short to waste our time on things that don't matter. Have you ever been in a meeting that went on forever, and you're sitting there, and at first you're thinking, okay, this is getting long, right? And then it starts going around the room. You're like, how long is it going to be, right? And then you have this existential crisis where you're thinking, this is what I do with my life. I sit in this meeting, right? And you have this image of yourself, like, throwing the papers and storming out, and then everybody's, like, dancing on the outside, like, freedom, you've done it, you're out, right? But you never do that. You just sit there and endure it for hours, while your life tick, tick, ticks away. I went down the rabbit hole this week to start to, to research how the average American spends their time. It was not a fun research project. I'll put the graph of what I found on the screen. The average American works 55 hours a week. So that's on average seven hours, 55 minutes a day. The average American sleeps for six hours and 45 minutes a night, which is not long enough, but they do. This blew my mind. The average American watches TV for five hours and actually 20 minutes, 5.20 a day, right? You're thinking, wait, I don't watch TV. That's not me. That means there's someone sitting next to you who watches 10 hours of TV a day. <laughs> Is that average? 
Two and a half hours a day is what the average American spends on social media. Hopefully they're doing most of that at work so they're not wasting their life, right? <laughs> we spend about an hour a day putting food in our mouths. We spend about 30 minutes a day in the bathroom, so that's our social media time too. <laughs> Which means that if you are an average American, you got 20 minutes left to do something significant. As long as you don't have to like get ready in the morning or take your kids to school or clean up your house or do your yard or take your kids to soccer practice or do all the other thousand things that somehow we all have to do. I think probably for those of you who only watch one hour of TV a day, you got four hours of busy work you gotta do. You clean your house a thousand times. You're shuttle driving your kids everywhere, right? You're doing email, right? Email on there, probably that's the middle of the donut hole is email. <laughs> and what strikes me most about this drawing is not that this is how we spend our time because I can kind of imagine how my life's very similar to this. What strikes me about this graph is that if I asked any one of you, including myself, to draw a pie chart of your priorities and what you would want to spend your time on, it wouldn't look anything like this. No. Right? All of us are in control of our lives for the most part, and yet all of us have somehow chosen to live lives that look like this. And when we have these things that we want to do that are significant, the thing we chip away at is stuff like sleep. We try to eat while we're in the bathroom getting ready. <laughs> I don't recommend that. As we look at the scriptures today, what, what I want to do is see how the Apostle Paul tries to equip people to have a larger perspective of what matters so that we can become people who use our time well, right? who, who can be mindful of the way that God sees us and sees this world that we're living in so that we can make choices. Maybe we can't affect the past, but make choices that will affect the way we live from here on out. I want you to imagine this morning that you're watching TV, you know, probably five hours a night watching TV, and while you're sitting on the couch, somebody rings your doorbell. Like, oh man, I only got four hours of the TV. But you pause it, you get up, you open the door, no one's there, but there's a briefcase on your floor mat, right? And I'm making up this illustration, so I'll just tell you, there's no bomb in it, you don't have to be scared, right? And so you pick it up, you bring it to your dining table, you put it down, and there's a note on top, and you open it up, and it says, invest well in the rest of your life. And so you open the briefcase, like, and there's like $4 million inside. Like, All right, right? This doesn't happen every day, right? This happens sometimes, but not every day. In the moment, you, know, you do all your research, you get to keep it. Remember, it's my illustration. You get to keep all the money, no taxes. Yay, right? It's all yours. It wasn't stolen. There's no, like, ink pack in there or anything. It's just your money. Stop thinking about it. You have a choice at that moment. What are you going to do to spend this money, right? And it kind of depends on your personality. And some of you might go straight to the Lamborghini dealership and be like, hey, I want one that costs this much, right? Like, or two. I don't care. Just give me a bunch of Lamborghinis, right? That might be you. Some of you might just throw it in the bank and raise your standard of living and just start doing whatever you want until the money runs out, right? Others of you will look at this money like it's a, an opportunity of a lifetime, 
So you know what, I could be set up for life if I spend this well, if I invest this right, if I launch this business, if I put my money in this endeavor, if I use it this way, if I tax shelter it this way, if the earnings go this direction, I might never work again. I can give my kids an inheritance, right? I could set myself up forever if I just leverage this resource well. And if that's the way that you think about money, chances are you're thinking about this money as a stewardship. That's a Bible word. Stewardship is when God entrusts you with something that you are meant to manage for kingdom purposes. It's a stewardship. Now, as we start the series, we're not talking about money. We're talking about time. And I think where we need to start is an understanding that time is a stewardship. You've been allotted so much time on planet Earth. Maybe it's 72 years like the average American. Maybe it's 50 years. Maybe it's 110 years. Right? Maybe it's 600 years. Probably not, though. Right? It's probably somewhere in the average amount of time. This is how much you've been given. And so you have a choice of how you're going to leverage the time that you've been given. It's a stewardship. And yet the difference between time and money is that time does not equal money. Time is worse than money. Because if you take that $4 million and you slide it under your bed, and then a year later you're like, whoa, I forgot about that money, and you pull it out, it's still $4 million, right? But that's not how time works. Right? If you're like, oh, I'm going to invest in my kids, and then you get busy, and three years later, you pull that idea back out again, you've just lost three years of your life. It's gone forever. Right? It's almost like you get this briefcase, and it says, hey, this money's yours. There's $4 million in here. But just so you know, every day, $10,000 burns up, and you can't get it back. And hey, by the way, at any moment, I might come back and take the briefcase back. So spend it wisely and spend it well. Right? You're like, spend it today. That's how time is. Time is an eroding resource. It's always just drifting away, drifting away, falling apart. We have less and less and less of it. But if you decide today, I'm going to really think about this concept of managing my time and using my time, and I'm going to get away with the Lord, and I'm going to have an amazing moment where he teaches me how to use my time, and then you don't do it for six months. Six months from today, these are six months you'll never get back. Because time just keeps moving and moving and moving and moving, and there's no going back. Right? We feel it. And some of you feel it who are desiring to get married someday and you haven't found someone yet and you're getting older and you feel like this window is closing. You've always wanted to have kids and it's not working out for you and you feel like the timeline is getting shorter and shorter and you start to get frantic around that. Right? You're realizing your kids are getting older you never really invested in them the way that you wanted to and now you've only got a few years left and you're doubting and you're so sad about it. You're angst because you feel like you've squandered something. Some of you have messed up a relationship because you didn't invest the time and now you're worried you can never get it back because that time is gone. We feel it. The way that Paul puts it in Ephesians 5, he says, the days are evil. It doesn't mean that the days are walking around with a knife looking to stab you in the heart. What he means is that the very concept of time just kills one opportunity after another. Now, we've been talking about in this last series the concept that God has prepared in advance good works for each of us that we might walk in. Yet a day goes by, we don't do it. A day goes by, we don't do it. These days just disappear. There's a chance that you'll get to a point in your life where you look back and realize you've got less time ahead of you than you have behind you. And all the things that you wanted to do You're starting to feel like it's too late. When Paul talks about the fact that the days are evil, he doesn't say, so sorry. 
But he gives us this little phrase that, that feels to me like a cliche at first glance. He says right before the days are evil, he says this, be very careful then how you live. Right? It seems like a platitude. Like, hey, just be careful how you live because the days are evil. But when I read this, and as I studied this for the, the last couple of weeks, I started realizing that this idea is actually kind of invigorating. That, that it is true that time is just moving. Time is going. Like, you can't get it back. It's just a blur. But at the same time, if you learn to slow down and take care, you can actually start to live your life on purpose. That there's a way to live carelessly, just going through the motions of life, living in autopilot. And most people do that. But if we're careful, we can actually live lives that matter. Now, as I look at that graph, that pie chart of the way that the average American lives, one of the things that convicts me is that everything in our society pushes us into that pie chart. You notice that? Like the pace of life that we live is one that is so crazy that the reason we watch five hours of TV a day is because we're exhausted all the time. So that's all the thing we have energy to do at the end of eight and a half hours of work. Right? Life is so many things and sports and kids and shuttling and all that stuff is so insane that by the time that everything settles, all the amazing, significant things we want to do, there's no margin for that. And what are you going to do at midnight except for turn on Netflix and feel like I can't just go to bed after doing the dishes. I got to do something and then time ebbs away. Everything in our pocket, all of our devices try to get us back in social media, get us back in TV, get us back doing these things that don't matter at all. The way that people spend money around us makes us think that we need to work a ton to be up at this standard of living. And so we live this way in this hamster wheel forever. Paul says, if you want to live your life on purpose, just be careful. Don't live unwise, live wisely. The days are evil, so, so take care to plan out the life that God would have you to live and don't just fall into autopilot and live like everyone else because there's more out there than the cycle that you're in. I love how before he launches into this passage, he's talking about the fact that we've been called to Jesus. We are children of the light. And he calls out to his audience. He says this little poem. He says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. There's a challenge for some of us who've been living our lives in this blurry state in autopilot, going through the maze. Wake up! You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live like everyone else. You don't need to drive what everyone else drives. You don't need to neglect your kids like everyone else. You don't need to do sports like everyone else. You don't have to live like the world lives. You can live differently because Jesus has raised you from the dead and redeemed you from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. Wake up! You don't have to waste your life like the average American. You can live a life of kingdom significance. And Jesus tells this parable of a man who had a good year. And he made a ton of money. And he was a farmer, and so he had all these crops that came in. And he had enough for himself. He did what he does with sales and all that. And he had this huge surplus. And the man says, hey, I know what I'm going to do. Right? I'm going to extend some effort. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger grain silos. And then I can put all the extra surplus in here. And then I can live kind of off the interest. Right? I can live off the rest forever. And, and I can just live my life and relax. I don't have to work all the time. Right? It's, it's a picture of what we call retirement. That's what he did. He realized that he had enough at this point that he can just live off what he had already earned and not have to work hard every day to earn more. It's called a 401k. That's what he had. 
And so the man comes to God with his 401k, and he's ready to retire, and he's excited about it. And you wonder what God would say to this man. God could very well say, good job, right? You read the Old Testament. You read Proverbs, obviously, right? You stored up some money. You have enough for an inheritance for your kids. You've done wisely with your financial resources. Well done. But I bet you guess that I'm going to say that's not what God says. God could say, you know what, man? You missed the mark. There's more to life than living easy, right? There's more to life than retirement. What about my kingdom, right? What about my glory? What about the lives you can't impact? Yeah, stop working, but spend your time. Go on the missions field. But God doesn't say that. The man comes to God with his 401k and his plan to take it easy and live his retirement the way that he desires. And God says to him, you fool. Catch this, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. God's comment has nothing to do with his financial security. It has nothing to do with his wisdom in business. It has nothing to do with the validity or lack of validity of his plans at an economic level. God says, listen, man, you're planning as if you're going to live forever, but here's one piece of information you don't know. You're going to die tonight. Right, so I know you're excited about the next 20 years, but let me tell you something. You only have 20 minutes left. <laughs> and it seems like this is like this Jesus juke moment where you know, somebody says, hey, I'm going to retire. I'm so excited. You're like, wow, well, you could die. It's like, oh, come on. Don't do that. <laughs> I think what Jesus is doing is he's defining wisdom and wise living through the lens of looking at the world from God's perspective. So if you're acting as if you're going to live forever, you're, you're a fool, because you won't. Right? In the book of James, it says the same thing. It says, to those of you who say, hey, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go to this city or that, do some business there, make some money, it's going to be great. He says, you don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. So try this instead. Say, if it's God's will, I'm going to live, and then I'll do this or that. Right? Jesus, in, in James 2, tries to insert this kingdom perspective of time into the way that we look at what we spend our lives on. You know, as much as the Jesus parable seems like a total out of left field thing, the truth is that happens. We know people, right, who who spent their whole life getting ready for retirement. They worked and they worked and they worked and they saved and they saved and they saved. Sometimes multiple jobs. Sometimes they neglected their families to do it, but they just wanted to get to the finish line so they could enjoy relationships with their kids and do what they wanted to do on the other side of retirement. And then they celebrated and then they had an aneurysm and died. It happens. And the thing that sucks about that is not that they died only because everybody dies. The thing that sucks about that is they wasted their life and never lived and then died because they neglected their kids, right? What's even worse than dying of an aneurysm after retirement is retiring and then looking around and seeing your kids don't want anything to do with you because you never talked to them for 30 years because you were working all the time. You spent all this time trying to get to this place where you could be with your family and then they left you in the process. She says, you fool. You had a plan, but you didn't take into account every factor. You wasted your time thinking you had all the time in the world. And Paul doesn't write this to make us feel guilty. He writes this to equip us to live differently. Now, if you had the briefcase full of money, 
and it's been under your bed for 30 years. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know why I've been working. I wasted my life. I had the $4 million. How did I forget, right? You should go to a shrink. But at the same time, all you can do at this point is go under your bed, get the briefcase, bring it out and say, okay, let's start now, right? And that's what Paul does in Ephesians 5. Right? He doesn't spend a bunch of time belaboring the fact that some of us have wasted our lives. He doesn't talk about the fact that we should feel guilty because we've squandered so many opportunities. He doesn't talk about the fact that we've waited way too long to give our lives to Christ. He doesn't talk about the fact that we've been living and serving our own kingdom for too long and not God's kingdom enough. Instead, he puts it together in this way. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise. And then this phrase, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul says, the truth is, there's a foolish way to live, and there's a wise way to live. The truth is, time is not on your side. But the truth is, the best you can do is make the most of every opportunity God gives you from today forward. That's all you can do. Part of the fact that yesterday is gone is that yesterday is gone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It's gone. You squandered that. It's gone. But tomorrow is not yet here. But today you have an opportunity to do good, so do good today. Right? Part of the, the concept I want to take home today is that when an opportunity comes to invest your time well, take it. That's it. That's as simple as it is. Right? If you've got the $4 million in your briefcase and someone says, hey, here's a great investment opportunity. Like, huh, here's $100,000, right? Because you've got the money. In the same way, if your neighbor comes up to you and says, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Be like, huh, sure, i got the time, right? If you say no, maybe tomorrow, tomorrow might never come, but today we see you right now, so talk to them. Right, when your kid comes up to you and says, hey, you wanna play catch, right? Or hey, do you wanna talk? Or hey, do you wanna do this, right? And you say, oh, I'm too busy, let's do that tomorrow. You don't know if you have tomorrow, but you have today. So if an opportunity comes that connects with your values, take that opportunity. If God is telling you to serve him in some way, to launch some ministry, to do whatever it is for his kingdom, don't say, oh, I'll do that someday because that's arrogant. Because someday you might be dead. If God says do it, do it. When an opportunity comes your way to do something good, do it. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The truth is you can get to a place that you retire and life's ahead of you and you're so excited because now you can do all those things you've always wanted to be doing and then you realize you're too tired to do any of them. So do them now. Right, but, but hear me straight. I'm not saying, and Paul's not saying, who cares what I'm saying? Right? Paul's not saying that you've got to go live your best life and live your dreams. Right? You've got to go to Hawaii. Right? Go have fun. Like, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that God has placed you on this rock for 72 years or for 22 years or for 102 years, and then it's over. And then you're going to spend eternity with him or eternity apart from him. And your friends and family are going to spend eternity with him or eternity without him based on what we do in this few years that we have here. And so, hey, you can go to Hawaii in heaven. Fine, right? But you can't lead your neighbor to Christ in heaven. Right? And on the other hand, you can worship in heaven. So worship here right now because this is what you're going to spend what you're going to spend eternity doing. Start living in light of the kingdom that you will be in forever. This is part of the Christian ethic. It's why we gather, to get a glimpse of what we'll be doing for the rest of time, to start practicing this newness of life that God has brought us into. 
Now, as we look at where Paul flows this text from here, I see a couple things in Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 and 19 and 20. The, kind of the biggest overarching thing is that Paul calls us to live wisely. Right? We, we said that don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Kind of like that parable of Jesus, that foolishness is living without all the right information. Foolishness is living as if there's no God, right? Wisdom is understanding that there is a God, that he has a will for your life, and that he's called you into it. Don't be foolish. Live wisely. The second thing we see is that we should let God dictate our every move. Paul gives us a spectrum, right? It says, don't get drunk on wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like he's saying, let me tell you about the worst waste of a human life, addiction. A person who's using and addicted and they're stuck in their house and all day, every day, they're just connected to this substance and they can't remember one day to the next and then they die and their life was meaningless. That's the worst use of a human existence possible. But on the other side of the spectrum, you have this picture of someone who's controlled by God. And they're used by God in every way. Their words reflect the kingdom of God. Their actions reflect the kingdom of God. They're controlled by a substance, but not a substance that destroys them, a substance that mobilizes them, who's not just a substance, but he's a person. And the Holy Spirit can dwell in you and use you to change the world. It says, so, so don't live on this side of the spectrum for your own passions, for your own desires, and your own drunkenness, and your own whatever you're doing. Push towards this side of the spectrum where your life is controlled by the Spirit of God at every turn. That's how to use your life well, is to give it up, right? If you want to save your life, lose it. Put it into his hands and let him work through you to change the world he's placed you in. Let God dictate your every move. And finally, uh, what we see Paul saying in Ephesians 5, is that if you're going to waste your time, waste your time on things that matter. I think we need to admit that, that most of what we do, in a sense, is a waste of time. <laughs> right? You watch TV, it's a waste of five hours a day, right? And then it's over forever. You want to jump on social media, right? Maybe you learn where your friends were today, everything you do tomorrow, right? You want to go and teach your kids to play sports? This is like the Ecclesiastes thing. Great, they're going to play baseball, then they're going to die, right? That's how life works. I get them into a good college, awesome, maybe they make a bunch of money and then rot forever. Great, right? Everything's a waste of time. We'll talk about that next week. So if you're going to waste your time, waste your time on things that matter. And the reason that I put it that way is because what we would expect the Apostle Paul to say as he closes this section is that we should utilize our time on earth for eternal impact, that we should share the gospel, that we should go out on the missions field. But that's not where he goes in this passage. He says, let me, let me tell you how to live your life knowing that you need to live wisely. He says, here's what you should do. Don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the most efficient way to live. This does not seem the most missional way to live. This does not seem the way to get the most people into heaven, but this is where he lands. I read a book in, in seminary called A Royal Waste of Time, and it was talking about what we do on Sunday mornings in worship. The whole idea was that the whole idea of worship is that we do something that gets us nothing, right? Like prayer, it gets you nothing. Worship gets you nothing. It's like these words leave your mouth, they go to God, and you trust he receives them, right? There's no return on your investment. 
Worship, the author said, Marva Dawn, is a waste of time in the sense that there are so many things you can do in this world that will get you more than driving up to a church, gathering with Christians, and singing songs to God. It's a waste of time. She said, but it's the most important thing that a human being can do because people are defined on what they choose to waste their life on. Right? You watch Netflix all day, that defines you. Great, that's you. You worship God with your time, that defines you, that's you. When people look on at Christians and they see them wasting their time praying and singing and doing good and they think, what are you supposed to get out of that? They're learning something about us is that what we choose to waste our time doing is bringing glory to God. Like the Apostle Paul said, if the resurrection didn't happen, you should pity us because we've wasted our lives revolving everything we do around something that never happened. So your Christian life should be one that if Jesus isn't real, you've wasted every aspect of your existence. But if he is, you've just lived the wisest life any human being can ever live. So you're going to waste your time. Waste your time on things that matter. Waste your time praying for your neighbor. Waste your time driving up to church and singing songs to God with people who love Jesus. Waste your time encouraging someone in their faith. Waste your time helping someone across the street, right, or with some meals. Waste your time praying silently for someone that if God is not real, no one's hearing your prayers and you're just talking to yourself in a closet, right? Waste your time living in light of what you believe which is that this is real, that God is moving, and he can use you to change the world for his glory. And if God is real, and he is, when we come and gather and sing songs to him and bring praise and glory to the one who deserves it, there is no better use of a human life than that, because that's what we're made for. That's how he designed us. And it's practicing for what he'll have us be doing forever and ever at the end of the day, we don't know how many M&Ms we have left in the jar. If you eat as many M&Ms as I did this week, you're going to live a real short life. That's three months right there in my mouth. But what we can control is stewarding the days that he has given us, making the most of each opportunity he brings our way, and choosing to lay out all of our lives on what our faith tells us really matters for eternity. Let's pray, and then we'll waste some time in worship. <laughs>